Exploding Erica's podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Live from New York City, it's the Erica Finn Show. And your host who gets up close and personal with celebrities from the stage and beyond, Erica Finn. Welcome, everyone, to tonight's show. I have the pleasure of having the funny and talented Josh Grizzetti here with me today. Josh has appeared in Camelot in Concert in Broadway Bound, and among many others, and he is currently making his Broadway debut as Marty Kaufman, the ex-boyfriend of the bride, in the funny Broadway musical, It Should Have Been You. Josh, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Did, did, I, did, I, did I botch up your last name? Did I say it right? Is it Grizzetti? Uh, Grizzetti, that's how I say it, but you know, okay. there, is some, Good. there is some dispute. Some people want to say Grissetti, uh with the S rather than the sound of a Z, but I like the Z. It sounds more Italian. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say it does. Are you Italian? I, well, my, I, half of me is. My father's side is Italian and Swiss, actually up on the northern border of Italy, and then uh, the other half of me is Welsh, which gives me the pale skin so that I look when you mix those two together, I look kind of, uh, you know, uh, Jewish. Which <laughs> right, is, you which do, is why right? I, yeah, which is why I play characters named Marty Kaufman and uh, Eugene, you know, uh, Jerome uh, in in uh, in Broadway Bound and a lot of other uh, Jewish uh, Jewish folks. I, I'm an honorary Jew here in New York. Yeah, you are. You, you're in you're in good company with um like Seth Meyers and Jason Biggs. So you can oh, all start totally. your own little club of people mistaken yeah. for Jews. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to yeah, have you. A... You can join the tribe. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, it, it, they are God's chosen people, and I feel like if I, you know, if I'm not going to be born into it, I can at least try to weasel my way in through the arts. <laughs> <laughs> So the Drama League Awards were today, um, and you were nominated for one, so congrats for that. Um, I assume you were there? Not nominated for a Drama League. I was nominated oh, for a Drama weren't. Desk. No, drama but, desk. but I, was, okay. I was nominated for a Drama Desk, but I was at the Drama League this morning to kind of um, support my fellow cast members, Tyne Daly and Lisa Howard, who were nominated this year for a Drama League. Uh, I was nominated for a drama league a few years ago for another show that I did off Broadway called Enter Laughing. Um, so I and I love the I love the event of it, uh, the drama leagues. It's just because it encompasses all theater in New York and it doesn't really care about the commercial side of things the way that some other awards shows that might not be named uh, <laughs> may be concerned with. So uh, so I really love the vibe of going to the drama league. So I was happy to be there this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, yeah, Lisa, I mean, I had Lisa on the show um a couple of months ago and yeah, I mean, she's so talented. And the whole cast, oh. I mean, is really all of you guys are just um it's such a great collaboration and you all bring something unique and different and I mean, I'm such a fan of the show. I, yeah. I can't even tell you. It's uh, it's such a great show. And Go ahead. Oh, go no, ahead, please, no, please, and, don't don't let me don't yeah. let me stop. Phrases. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep going because I mean it's just, it's such a fun night out. It's I love actually that there's no intermission because yeah. I feel like there's just such a momentum to the show and like you don't want to break that up. It just makes it like a really fun almost experience. Um yeah, you, you know. You know, um this uh there there was I I didn't I was never a part of any of the productions they did of this out of town. They did two out of town tryouts 
for this show, and uh, I was not involved. But uh, after they had done those productions, I was involved in a reading that they did for investors here in New York, and I played um, I played Greg, who is the best man at the wedding uh, in oh, that reading. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so a, to- a totally different part. And, I mean, you've seen the show, so you know, but for people who haven't, um, I'm not really the most appropriate Greg. Like uh, it's not the, right, it's right. not the it's not the best casting, and so and I was kind of confused as to why they wanted me to do it, but I was like, you know, it's David Hyde Pierce, so I'm not going to say no, and uh, so I did it, and um, and at that time, and all all the time beforehand, there had always been two acts. It was you know two you know the big act break with the big reveal in the middle of the show, and uh, um, which is a big plot twist for people who haven't seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where that that's where the act break originally fell. And uh, and I have to say, having seen it now both ways, the uh, it really it is so much better going straight through with no intermission. Um, they had to trim it down a little to make it fit into a hundred minutes, so that people you know wouldn't have to go to the bathroom too badly by the end of it. But um, right, right. Uh, but I think I think it was such Yourself a smart included, move. included, right? I mean, I guess you can uh, run well, off in between, we, but like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lisa Howard's usually singing a song when I get my bathroom break, so I'm fine. But the audience is just sitting there, so I. <laughs> so yeah, easier for us probably than them. Is it is it better? Do you enjoy it more as a performer? You know, not having that intermission as well. Oh, from like a performance I mean, from standpoint. A purely, from a purely technical standpoint, I mean, all of us get to leave, you know, 20 minutes earlier than we otherwise would. I literally, you know, I've got friends in in. Well, you know how it is. It's so small. We're we're all friendly in the theater community. But anyway, people doing you know uh, American in Paris or God forbid Les Mis or something, and and they're starting their second act when we're like getting on the train to go home. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, we the performers are loving a hundred minutes of entertainment yeah. and then getting out of there. It's great, and the audience seems to dig that too because then they get to hang out and go have a drink, and they're still home at a reasonable hour. It's like perfect. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I loved that. I was like, oh, I can go out and we can get into any restaurant or bar we want right now because all you, the other shows you are really still going. Can. You can get a seat at like a good restaurant or a good bar and and uh, and have a real night out in New York and have had a night in the theater and uh, neither has to be compromised. It's great. <laughs> Do you think there's a trend towards this, towards this now though? Because I noticed. Um, I mean, the visit did, does this. Hedwig does this. Is there going to be like a trend now in Broadway towards no intermission? Um, I yes, I think so. In, in my humble opinion, I mean, in the mm-hmm. same way, movies. You know, they. I don't know if you remember, but I remember when I was a kid, growing up in the South. Boy, they loved these really epic, long, old movies where there was literally an intermission in the movie. And I mean, new, new. You know, kids from the generation yeah, right? now probably. Oh yeah, like if you go, I mean, I'm talking like old Charlton Heston movies. Like, um, uh, if you watch the. Uh, if you go get a DVD or something of the Ten Commandments, that epic old movie, um, there's literally like midway through the movie, the screen for 15 minutes just shows the word intermission and plays music. It's crazy. And, and, and the, I remember because it was on VHS when I was a kid and my grandparents had her. I mean, they were like, you should watch this because it's a good movie. And thinking, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But uh, times have changed. You you would you cannot do that now. You would never do that. Even you, know, you can make a four-hour Lord of the Rings movie, and you're not going <laughs> you're, you're to put an intermission in it. But more moreover, they, they'll they'll do like a special release for those things and and keep it shorter. And I think uh, theater is getting that way too, where a lot of people shy away from going to the theater because they don't want to spend three hours 
watching, you know, really sad people sing about sad things. <laughs> it's just well, I harder, think it's harder because, to... like, someone like me could. Like, I mean, not just dancing, oh, anything, because yeah. I'm such a oh, theater fan, but I think it probably allows a broader base of people. Like, someone yeah. like my dad, who might be a little more antsy and not want to sit through three hours, you know, like, oh, great, totally. 20, 30 minutes less because there's no intermission. Yeah. Yeah, and you can do, you, you know. Line. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the line for the women's room before. It should have been you, though, but it's it's wrapped around the corner. Every every yeah, woman but, in the theater is like, we got to go before. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's smart. you got to take care of yourself. But I don't know. Yeah. I think that the attention, the attention span of the average American, you know, uh, uh, entertainment consumer is uh, is getting shorter and shorter, and I don't think they want to they want to stick around that long. And take a risk on something. So you have to spend. It's not like going to the movies where you're going to spend twenty dollars, and if you don't like it, you can just leave in the middle of it. You're going to spend a hundred and fifty dollars, and if you don't like it, it's going to be really rude for you to get up in the middle of it. So it's like a, it's a commitment, you know. So it, I think it's it's harder to get people to make that commitment <laughs> these days. Yeah, yeah, no, for so sure. So it's e- and- easier when you, when you have a big sign out front of your theater that says a hundred minutes of comic gold. People are like, oh, yep, that's yeah. not so bad. <laughs> But even if it was 200 minutes, I mean, it's it's such a great show. And, and for our listeners, yeah. in case they're not familiar with it, I mean, it's about love and weddings and family and drama because family and drama always go together, right? Like, you can't have yeah, one without the other. Um, yeah. And your character, I mean, it's, it's such a memorable character. I mean, like, the first time I saw you, I was like, ah, him. He's one to watch. He's yeah. one to watch, you know? I, I truly feel yeah. that way about you. Um, oh, and you know, it's evident you were nominated for a drama desk award. So you got it right now. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> an, outer, <laughs> an outer critic circle award. Um, how, you know, how has it been playing this role? It's also your Broadway debut. I want to mention. I mean, it's it's just stunning. Yeah. 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 It it, well, it's it, it's it's weird that it's my Broadway debut only because I've been in the business for ten or eleven years now, and uh, you know. I, 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 I've worked a lot. It's not like I've been like a struggling, starving artist necessarily, but um, uh, but I haven't been on Broadway. And a lot of people in the community just haven't really paid attention to that. They're like, so that when everybody was like, hey, this is your Broadway debut, a lot of people, my friends even, were like, how is this your Broadway debut? I'm like, I know. I've, I've been lying this whole time. Like I've been part <laughs> of the, I've been, I was, I, I was never really invited to the party. I just showed up and pretended, and now it's like, oh, now I do have an invite. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, so it is strange, but it's also, you know, very validating, and um, it makes me, de- it makes me feel like I'm truly one of the tribe now of the the, the New York theater community. Uh, and so I, I'm, it, it, it's overwhelming in that sense. Uh, and, be- and because it's been such a relatively long road for me, with some other close calls of shows that were supposed to happen but didn't. And all that kind of stuff that it just feels like, oh, I'm finally here. <laughs> yeah. And with, uh, in, in, in a great company of, of other actors who I, I respect so much and with a great director, David Hyde Pierce, who, who doesn't love David Hyde Pierce. You know, it's like, it's, I'm just surrounded by the most, you know, uh, perfect people for this to be my bro. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And how, how is David yeah. Hyde Pierce as a director? What's he like? He's great. He, he, I mean, his strong suit is that he is an actor. So he, he knows how to talk to other actors. Um, he knows uh, how to how to help them get to the place where the storytelling is right, for not only for the sake of their individual performance, but for the sake of the whole piece. Um, but doing it in a way that doesn't feel intrusive, you know, or tyrannical, um, which is you know a, a skill that not all, every director has. So um, 
that's I would say his his strongest and uh, and I think he's done really well with a very uh, we have a we have a big honking unit set um, in our show that uh, but that has to operate as a lot of different areas including uh, uh, hotel rooms and hotel hallways and banquet rooms and uh, all all these different places that you have to go within this one and like a hotel lobby like all we have to see all of that and there's only one set to do it. And I think that uh, he staged it really cleverly to make all those things kind of make sense to the audience. Um, uh, he and uh, Ken Billington, the lighting designer, um, uh, and uh, I, I think that's a skill too that is um, underappreciated. But uh, uh, but you've seen the show, so you know that it, it really it, it it functions really well. They did a really good job. So he's yeah, no doubt. He's a, a pretty good director. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, um, one thought I was having earlier when you were talking was, you know, opening night, people getting nervous. Being that this is, you know, your quote-unquote Broadway debut, were you more nervous than normal, like when you've done your other shows, or did that not make a difference or have an impact? Um, You know, uh, you're the first person to ask me this question in all the interviewing and stuff that we've done this season. And let me tell you, um, I was uh, more nervous for the first two performances of this show than I think I may ever have been in my entire career. And I, and I, and I knew it was coming like I could sense it in rehearsals. I was like, you know, you're going to get real heady about this because it's been so long building up to this day, um, uh, performing on Broadway. Like that's just something that you think of as a kid when you first start getting into theater and it just means you put so much weight into the idea of it. Um, that it's really hard to balance the practicality of it when, when you get up, when you get right up to it. And, uh, I, I, I got through it surprisingly well, but I had a bunch of like muscle injuries in that first week. <laughs> and I really think it was because my body was holding tension in a weird way. And, uh, and so the muscles were just getting thrown out of whack because they weren't used to, to, to that extra layer of, of adrenaline and sort of toxic, uh, nervous energy. Um, and uh, and I think that if anybody who saw those first two performances, I don't know if you, it's hard to tell from the outside how much people pick up on that stuff, but we made jokes they about it after don't. the first. I, I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I, I, would, I would tell you if I thought they did, but I, I, I haven't, beca- and I, I say that I don't think so because I'm standing on stage with other people. I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus and tell their personal stuff, but me and Sierra Bogus, who plays the bride, and uh, Chip Zion, who plays the father of the bride, and Lisa Howard, starring in it, we were all talking, I think, the day after and just laughing. Somebody brought it up. They're like, is anybody else super nervous last night? And everybody just kind of broke down about it laughing, being like, I was so wound up last night. Like, I I suddenly got out there and I didn't know what to do with my hands. I was like, why do my hands feel so big and weird? It's like, it's things that you never (laughs) think about on a normal night. And and why, like, I don't have breath to sing the end of this song, but I've never had a problem in rehearsal. What's happening? It's like you, your body is just having a reaction that your mind is, is not a part of until after the fact or something. It's, it's a very strange thing. But, yes, the short answer to your question is, yeah, I was pretty nervous. <laughs> and <laughs> but, then after uh, the, yeah, to, and I would expect you to be. I mean, you know, it's like I'd be yeah, worried if you I, weren't, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's totally relatable, and I think everybody gets it. But there's just a part of you as a performer that wants to be like, oh, no, 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 I don't get nervous. I'm a professional, and I do, you know, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. You're opening a Broadway show, and it's always going to be a big deal. And it was it was great for me to hear Chip and Sierra 
and Lisa and other people who, who have much longer resumes and much more impressive resumes than I do uh, saying the same thing, like, oh, my God, I was nervous, too. It made me feel like, oh, it's not just me because I'm, a, I'm you know, uh, some innocent Broadway virgin. It's, uh, no, we all mm-hmm. get wound up about this. So it, it makes me feel <laughs> way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I had Sierra on the show, and she was telling me about the stone ritual. Was that in place oh, yeah. back then? Did you pick a stone before those shows? We did. I always I always went in there and picked a stone with them, and still do every now and again. I'll go over there. They're, all the women are on the other side of the theater. It's divided into two two wings uh, of dressing rooms. So I don't I don't naturally uh, see them unless I make an effort to go over. So uh, once we after we've been running for a while, I I kind of stopped the uh, stone ritual. But I, every now and again I'll go over. But there in the beginning we we were you know. We were very addicted to that, and because uh, it's so great, you pull a stone and it has a word on it, and you just get to sit with that word for a little bit before the show or even during the show. Uh, and they were always apropos somehow, so it, it was always fun. And Sierra's like got that little uh, that little streak of Mother Earth in her. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely yeah, has a spiritual it, thing going. Oh, she's got a spiritual thing going, and uh, so I love that she brings that kind of energy into the mix because it's written. Not everybody can do that like i even if i love it and love that thing i can't be the one who comes in with a bag of stones and says hey everybody pick one i just can't I, it's, it's not in my it's not in my dna but i love that it's hers and i love that i get to be a part of it <laughs> you can bring in the pizza and the pasta <laughs> yeah yeah exactly or italian, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Mar- mario mario kart or something i don't know if it's super italian <laughs> Now, yeah. the dressing rooms must be big there because I know you guys all share rooms, like you share with David. Um, is that yeah. how's that going? That's so Any funny. Fun how, do you, how do you know that I share a dressing room with David? You you know your stuff. I I do my research. I do my research. You do your research. I'm On impressed. Twitter, yeah, me exactly. and David. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, I guess that's true. I forget that we broadcast this stuff. Like, yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. You do. <laughs> me and uh, me and da- me and David Burke. I have not guys. hired a private detective to follow you. I promise. <laughs> Yeah, the, ne- the next thing you're going to be like, you're beautiful when you sleep. What? <laughs> How do you know that, Emily? <laughs> you really are. Maybe. You you're never the biggest know. Broadway fan I've ever known. <laughs> um, no, it's it's actually cool. If you if you go onto our Twitter account there, or whatever it is, Instagram, there's a lot of pictures of our dressing room because uh, there just are, because I'm a glutton for uh, uh, voyeurism. Um, but uh, uh, David Burka painted our dressing room a light blue and then he got these like birch tree decals that stick on the walls so it looks like we're living in like a little birch wood <laughs> forest it's the strangest sounds, it's definitely the strangest sounds, dressing room zen, though. It sounds oh zen. it's very it's very zen it's very calming um people come in here and they're like this is the best dressing room ever and they look at me like i had anything to do with it i'm like i david said <laughs> David asked if I cared if he went crazy, and I said nope, and so he did. And but I gotta say, I love it. Very interesting to to look at. He's got some. He got these like old fashioned mason jars that were uh, repurposed into lamps. They're really cool looking. I don't know. He got them on Etsy or something. Uh, it's a it's a trendy place in here. I'm sitting in here right now, so I'm looking around. So, what was your uh, contribution to the dressing room? I'm I'm I. It's funny that you say that because I feel really embarrassed to tell you I nothing. I contributed. I contributed virtually nothing. I, I have. I mean, no, you bring no. In like I, a Doogie Howser poster or something for him to hang up. You know, 
I, I'm going to geekily tell you this, Ben, since you brought – I didn't bring this up. You brought this up. Uh, so we're, we're hang, you know, we were coming up to opening night, and I had not yet met um, Neil, you know, his husband. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I said, so – and kind of half-jokingly, I was like, so is he cool with, like, Doogie Howser jokes or not really? And, and, uh, and David was like, well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't open with that. <laughs> I was like, oh, is he sensitive? About it? He's like, well, it's just that was his, you know, he, and he made some good points I had not thought of, it, just about how he was a child. He was like, uh, you know, going into adolescence and stuff and basically doing it with the most awkward years of anybody's life. He did it on yep. national television. And he's like, yep. and that's just, just think about that if it was you. Like, that's just an odd time to have yourself exposed to the world. So it's not the first thing you want to, like, dig up again, you know? I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then I recalled, like, Making a joke with uh, uh, what was her? What's her name? Famous uh, from the Goonies, uh, Martha um, Clinton. Oh, okay. I was, mm-hmm. You know, here uh, I'm going to tie it all back into the beginning of this interview. Watch me. Um, segue to uh, when I was uh, nominated for the Drama League Award a few years ago. Just alphabetically, I was sitting next to Martha Plimpton. And uh, and so we all get up and speak. And I was saying, you know, a year ago I was working in the in an off Broadway theater in the basement of a church on the Upper East Side, and now look at where I've, I've gotten to. I'm standing here, uh, someone from the Goonies. That's huge. Mm. And she she just, like, she just, her her eyes turned to, like, glass and stone. It's just it's like, oh, I, I think I just hit a button. Um, uh, but ironically, I loved the Goonies, so it, it, to me, if I had been in the Goonies, I would have been like, yes, I want people to constantly remind me that I was in that awesome movie from Everybody's Childhood. But I guess if you're the person who that is, it's a little less. You've heard it exciting. eight million times, yeah. And you've heard it eight million, and you've done so many other bigger projects and more interesting artistic endeavors, and and then everybody keeps harking back to this kids movie you did. I can understand why it would be annoying after a while, but uh, uh, so I've I've gotten used to putting my foot in my mouth, but I I have not yet brought up uh, Doogie Howser with Neil Patrick Harris in the room. So so far. I've uh, I've stayed on the good side of him. You stayed on the good <laughs> side. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. it, one curious one question I was just curious about um, from thinking about your fir- your first like opening line in the show. Do you pop up at different places in the audience, or is it always um, when I thought it was the whatever you call it the balcony like stage right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, no. I I always come from the same seat. Um, and people who have become, you know, there are people who have come back several times to see the show, and uh, and they start, some of them um, want to sit in the seats around me <laughs> because they start to know exactly <laughs> where I'm going to be. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a, um, it's not like a tightly held secret. You could figure it out if you really want to, but um, it, there is an, there is an effort made by the box office not to sell those seats to anybody who seems interested in them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, that is so, so funny. Why? Because they're going like, to talk go, your Do they talk your ear off during the beginning? Well, like, uh, yes, yes. The problem <laughs> is that it, it, you know they want then they want to have like an interaction with you. So I've got a yeah. few minutes there before I'll go on. And uh, uh, and some people who watch like the video blogs that we do and stuff like that, they'll be like, oh, you know, they'll reference things about that or or want to talk about. You know, I'm talking about the younger generation. Let's just be honest. These are usually high school kids or early college, maybe, who the first thing they want to ask me about is what what it's like to work with Sierra Baga in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the I guess the cat's out of the bag. So then what do I do? I just kind of chat. What It, it was uh, – I used to go out much earlier. I used to go out, like, at 10 minutes to places. 
um, and just sit in the box like I'm just a normal, you know, paying customer. And uh, and and then it just got weird because too many people were recognizing, you know, that I was in the show in advance, and uh, the conversations just got too bizarre. So I so now I come in at the very last second, uh, and people are less inclined to talk because the lights are going down and you know the show's starting. So you got to do what you got to do. But I do like interacting with the audience regardless because. Oh, I'm sure you do, but I could see that being distracting when you're trying to get into you got to get well, focus going, right? Like, Yeah, you have to at least pay some attention to what's going on on the stage and uh, where everybody is. The lights is, yeah. are going to so, go up uh, on you, and you're going to be in a conversation about Ariel from uh, The Little Mermaid, you know? Uh, serious. We're talking about Phantom of the Opera, and, uh, yeah, it, it's a little rough. But, no, yeah, so, but people, people are, for the most part, pretty uh, understanding, and once the show starts, they, they pipe down and kind of do what they need to do to be a part of the game so it's all been okay um i saw a tweet that you that you circulated about i guess you like you had to fall to the ground and you didn't have your knee pads um what happened yeah well nothing other than that moment that you realize you because the first thing i thought when i hit the ground was was wow i really hit the ground hard today what happened and then it dawned on me oh i'm not wearing my knee pads (laughs) so i really just uh uh, threw myself into the stage floor. But, you know, luckily I'm still at the age where I can do that occasionally and not, you know, uh, blow a blow a bone in half or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, I got some bruises that you'll never see because, you, you know, I'm not wearing shorts in the show. So it's just one of those actor things. We, I feel like we, half the time we get bruises, and I say we, I mean everybody, everybody in every show I've ever done. Like you, phantom bruises. Like where did these bruises, like who, how did I get this? You have no idea where they came from. You start getting used to bruises on yourself. So um, having two big bruises on my knees was just like, well, at least I know where it came from this time. Like there's a silver right, lining. Right. Do they ever have any uh, physical therapists on set? I mean, I was I actually didn't know that this is a thing, but um, Chris McCarroll um, was telling me that at Lee Miz they do do that, and I was wondering. Oh yeah, yeah. Does your show have every, that? Most every big musical will have uh, physical therapy uh, on staff, if not several times a week, at least once a week. Uh, I think uh, when I was doing Peter and the Starcatcher, even though that's not a huge musical, it was just so physical. The, the the activities that everybody had to do were so physical that we had PT on, uh, you know, once a week come in and help everybody out. Uh, but on a show like this, because most people are not doing enough physical activity to, to warrant, you know, throwing out their backs or pulling a quad or whatever. I do kind of, you've seen it, so you know, the opening number for me is very active, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it involves a lot of running and leaping over things backstage that the audience never even sees, but it's super frantic, and the whole joke is that it's, I'm popping in and out of places super fast, um, uh, it, which is fun, but, uh, you know, hard on the body. So uh, so I've been in physical therapy like three times <laughs> a week since we opened, So uh, and acupuncture, because like, acupuncture is pretty good with muscle stuff. So uh, I've been, I'm kind of like the, the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz after the monkeys have at him and his stuffing is all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of me throughout this process, but my body is getting used to Have it now. Have you ever played that it, role? I actually think you would be a great scarecrow. Well, I, people say that I, I mean, and, and it's true. I, I have, there is a striking resemblance to me and Ray Bolger, so, who originated it in the movie. Uh, so, yeah, I, I probably should play it at some point, but I, uh, I have not yet played it uh, professionally anywhere. Um, I did it in school when I was a kid, uh, but it was, kind of a different thing uh but uh yeah i actually now 
And now that I'm smart enough to know how difficult it is to make it look like your body does not have bones in it, like I'm a scarecrow, my body just flings around any old way. You do that as an actor, and it's great, but that will destroy your body after a while. So I'm kind of thinking, as much fun as it would be, I probably don't need to do that. <laughs> I'd probably yeah. save myself a lot of I'd probably say, but doing it in a movie might be more fun, where you just have to do it for a month or so and film it and then get to be done with it. But doing it eight times a week, I bet you I would injure myself pretty badly trying to play the scarecrow now. It'll only get uh-huh. worse as I get older. So, so let's um, let's do the concert version one. of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it. Or a one night only version. <laughs> one night only. I would do that on Broadway, The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so you're playing in a poker tournament uh, to benefit Broadway Cares Equity Fights Aid. How would you yes. rate yourself as a poker player? And this is going to be your after, so you're not giving away anything. You're oh, okay, good. good. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I would I would say I'm probably, like on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably a 6. I'm probably oh, a, I'm a decent, I'm a decent player. But I really, I I play because it's fun more than because I'm seriously trying to, like, you know, figure out the game and be the intense poker player. I don't, I, I, it really is just for fun for me. So I know how to play. And, um, uh, from just a technical standpoint, I, I might be higher than a six, but I, I, I act more on my whims than I do on, on, uh, statistics and all the stuff that poker players are supposed to act on. <laughs> um, you play I with like friends, or is players. it just if I've, you're like at a casino? Like when do you when do you get a chance to well, practice? You know, uh, this is a, I'll try to keep this brief. But I, I originally I was just playing with friends and home games, as they call them, um, and I love that. And uh, and I thought, well, I play all these home games. I'm pretty good. I always win money. So I guess uh, when I go to a casino, I'll be really good at a casino too. And then I got cast in uh, Spam a lot in Las Vegas, and so I was in Vegas for six months and. Uh, it was insane. I would wake up. Yeah. I got this pa- I got into this pattern where I'd wake up at like two in the afternoon, and I'd go do the show at seven or eight o'clock. And it was only an hour and a half version of Spamalot. They cut it down to an hour and a half. Speaking of cutting shows down to an hour and a half, uh, <laughs> they, they did that there, and it was great. It was very funny and quick. And uh, and so at at nine thirty, at the latest, I would go out, walk down the strip somewhere, go into any casino, and I played. In my six months there, I made a list, and I checked them off one by one. I played every casino on the Las Vegas Strip and on the old Vegas Strip. No, you know, where you didn't. Old, wow. I did every, so, so that now... Poker? Every, poker. Oh, only poker. Well, I would play blackjack occasionally just because I was bored, but I would mainly, I would just go to play for the poker and would play all night. I'm not kidding you, Emily. I would get, I would go over after Erica. the show. <laughs> and, oh, and, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just okay. talking to a friend named. I was literally talking to a friend named Emily right before uh, I called you. So no, they're okay. all on my phone okay. together. Are you are you short e names? Um, yep. Uh, so I'm I'm I go over and I would literally sit down at like ten o'clock and play poker until I thought the sun was coming up because you know they don't have clocks and they don't have windows in casinos so they don't want you to know how much time you're spending. But uh, I could you know look at my my phone and be like okay I think the sun's coming up I should go I'd go home sleep wake up in the afternoon and do it all over again and it went on for six months so I played a lot of poker um, uh, and in that time it and took you me did six well months. I hope <laughs> well I I, I I was all over the map I would go up and down I I I could tell you I could spend an entire radio show just talking to you about the nights I had and the kinds of hands that went down and my wins and my losses but ultimately it took me six months to lose. 
$1,100. But you know what? When you really put that in perspective, how many hours of entertainment did I get out of that $1,100 over a six-month period? That was pretty impressive. And I had friends there when I got there, and I said, have you been playing anything in the casinos? And they said, yeah, we've been playing slots and stuff like that. I'm like, how much money have you won or lost or have you been keeping track? And one of them told me, well, one of them was leaving the show because he said he lost so much money he had to leave Vegas. I said, okay. And the other one said, I stopped counting my losses at $10,000. I stopped counting because he didn't want to know after that. So uh, it could have been much worse than $1,100. And I'm glad that I know yeah. the exact price, you know, that I put on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not necessarily proud of it, but uh, I uh, – but I feel like I did Vegas. I did it. You, and I did it you right. You did Vegas. You definitely did. I Vegas. did. But I don't. I don't <laughs> want to do it again. I don't want to do it again. But I did it, That's and I, I can at least say I lived. I lived Vegas, baby. But anyway, yeah. So this Monday we're playing for Broadway Cares, and it's going to be a much more casual uh, experience, I think. And it's for charity, and there's nothing better than that. So you don't feel like that grimy, like grossness that you feel when you win or lose money for the sake <laughs> of yourself. Are you going to have yeah. glasses on? So you're gonna have sunglasses. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring. You know, I'm gonna bring my glasses and my "It Should Have Been You" show cap, and I'm gonna sit there like a real uh, serious poker player until I get bored, and then start wanting to just make jokes, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, if we had bets on the players, I would bet on you. And um, oh, all right. I hope you right. win. I hope you win. Thanks. Thank you. Thank um, you very much. One question I ask all my guests: What's one thing yeah. you would like to tell your 15-year-old self? Oh, my God, my 15-year-old self. There's so many things I would tell my 15-year-old self, but I think the most important one, I would tell my 15-year-old self, just hold on. No matter what happens, it's going to be okay. You're going to survive it. And uh, through the darkest of the valleys, there are peaks and summits waiting to be climbed, and you're going to do them all. Uh, and just just hold on and be ready for that ride. Because I think when I was 15, I, I saw the mountains and the, I saw the fun stuff that was up at the high point, and I wasn't – I was aware that there were low points that could happen, and I just ignored them because I was like, it doesn't matter. I'll be optimistic. And I think it might have been more helpful to be a little more realistic with myself and and to know, you know, uh, that I was going to have to, to survive both. Uh so I would, I, if I could talk to my 15-year-old self, I'd try to mentally prepare him for for all of the above, if that makes sense. Yeah, if only like, we could know, right? If only we could if go only. back and say that, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It would have saved me so much heartbreak. But, you know, you, you live and you learn. And now uh, I feel like now I'm pretty fortified. It, it's going to take a lot to really, you know, I can be upset when something bad happens in the business or whatever, but it's going to take a lot to really crush me now. You're going to have to, mm-hmm. you're going to, have to work hard. Because I've seen, I've seen, you know, some of the worst of it, and I just feel like uh, it's part of the business model. It's like, no, no, you got to just expect that, you know, when you're doing this, and and it makes it a lot easier. Expectation is apparently pretty important. Who knew? Yeah, and just just dealing, being able to deal with rejection. Do you think that being in the industry where you have to just come to terms with, with rejection does that translate into your the rest of your life and just being able to handle the ups and downs of life because you know you've had to handle the ups and downs in your professional life? You know, this is going to get a little uh, – I, I don't know how valuable this is uh, for you, but because uh, it might just be too 
serious or something for just a fun radio show. Because I, I don't know, I, I've not listened to your show, so I don't know what your what your mo really is for this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you the truth. How about that? We're a blend. We're a blend. I have a life coaching background, so I do throw some. Of oh, this really? In. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So, right. so you'll you'll know where I'm I'm coming from. I um, I think. Oof. It's 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 hard to it's hard to really even answer the question. Um, I I'm trying I'm trying to think of the, the cleanest way to answer this question. Ask me the question again in the simplest way, and I'll try to give you a straight answer from my gut. I'm not. I'm, here's what, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm, I'm overthinking it now. So ask me again, and I'm just going to clean my brain. And, and, and try to well, give I just think in my own life, for example, anytime yeah. I do something in my professional life, I find that yeah. whatever tool I use helps me in all the other areas of my life, whether it's wanting to get into a workout routine or relationships, whatever it is. So I just, you know, rejection is such a huge part of everyone's life. Um, yeah. Just, just do, you know, whether it's not getting a job you want or or just dealing with the ups and downs that go into life right. that you have to deal with as an actor. So the question was just kind of – you know, do you think having to deal with something so intense as an actor has prepared you better to handle life? And honestly, I don't know. I know how it has affected me. I don't know if it's been for better or worse. And I'll try to explain why. For me, what I have found is that the best way for me to do an audition, it sounds a little, it sounds counterintuitive. But the, maybe not, I don't know. But the best way for me to prepare for an audition is to not care about the audition at all. Is to, is to blow it off as much as possible, no matter how much money is at stake, no matter how many high profile people are involved, is to say, I don't care if I get this job, it does not mean anything to me. The more I feel that way about an audition, the better I will always do. So, it's like this mind game I have figured out how to play with myself. Even when I know I really do want a, a particular role or want to work with certain people or need the money for something, whatever, like you, you, the, the game I have to play is I don't want, I don't want it. I don't need it. Like it's just, it's just the work and I'm going in there and I don't care what they think about my audition. I don't care what they think about me. All I care about is whether I like what I do in that room and whether I'm proud of the work I'm doing. That's all that's important to me. And, and having that really sort of weird egocentric viewpoint, uh, I, I it's do not better. weird. I mean, I've done that it too. May, maybe, I maybe, think it does help. Maybe not. Yeah, but see, here's the weird part: is that then how does that affect your personal life? The dangerous trailing edge of that is that it can make me passive in my personal life in ways that you can't be passive. You can do that for professional reasons and artistic reasons to center yourself and to get to the core of you as an artist and all the the high stuff that we could talk, the lofty things we could spin it with. But in your personal life, you the result of that is that you can detach from people when things get hard because you because the easiest way to get around the hard things is to ignore them altogether and never deal with them at all. And I think that that is a, is a dangerous thing, that that's my – that's kind of my plight. You know, so if you're a life coach and you want to help me with that, I'm 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 more than willing. But I, I'd say that every 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 you know every woman I've ever been with has uh, once they get to know me well enough, they say, you know, you're really good at compartmentalizing your life in sort of ways that are not helpful to me. <laughs> you know, because sometimes mm, I just yeah. need you to 
you know, and, and they're right. When, when things get hard, I can disconnect because I don't know what to do with the, the, the trouble as, as well. And, and honestly, I think that that has a backfiring thing. We're getting real deep into this now. I apologize. But I think that there's a reason why I do Don't mainly, apologize. I love no, it. <laughs> you know, uh, but there, I think there's a reason I do mainly comedy on stage and in TV and stuff. It, I, I think it's because I, I don't understand characters as well who have complex emotional things to deal with in a script when they're actually dealing with them. I can I can do a character very well when they have to not deal with their emotions <laughs> in a script. People who are detached like I am, I can relate to that and I can use it. Um, but tapping into the harder things, I think, is, is something that is very difficult for me as a human being, and it and it limits somewhat what I am capable of doing on stage. Uh, it, the fact that I know it is 50% of the problem, and so I I I enjoy fighting against that, and I you know have had ups and downs in my artistic struggle for that. You know, everybody's got their own journey. That's that's part of mine. Um, so uh, this is I don't I think we've gotten so deep and off topic of um, the light fluffy show I'm doing right now on Broadway and the light character I'm playing. But uh, if you know, but if you're interested in the truth, that's the truth. Yeah, no, it's very insightful. I that's that's very insightful. And I agree with you. It's like a fine line, right? It's a fine line, and mm. we all tend to go to extremes. And um, yeah. I give you credit for acknowledging it. And on that note, Thank you. We'll, I... we're going to play a game, <laughs> a really fun uh, game. Uh, okay. We're going to have 60 seconds to just answer as many questions as possible. I call it Erica's speed through. And oh here we go. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. Three things you can't live without. Oh God! Um, uh, uh, laughter, uh, um, uh, green tea, um, sugar. <laughs> Favorite travel destination? Uh, in, in anywhere in Europe. <laughs> Me too. If you had a betta fish, what would you name him? I have had a betta fish, and I've had two, and one was named Bruce, and the other was Dr. Dre. If I got <laughs> another one, it would depend. It would depend on what he looked like and what he felt like he needed to be named. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel? Oh, they're both so good, but I'm going to go with Jimmy Fallon. If you were going to Burke's house for dinner, what would you bring? <laughs> I, I have been over there, and I don't know what to bring because they have everything. What do you bring to people who don't need anything? I bring a charming <laughs> personality and a lot of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> One way, <laughs> well, and he's a good chef too, so you can't beat him yeah. in the department. Nope, nothing to do. One way you live life to the fullest every day. Uh, trying to be awake and aware. I think this this conversation we've had so far today is is a testament to that. Just being honest and being awake and aware. Love it. That's sixty seconds, Josh. Woo-hoo! Thank you for joining me today. You, this thank was incredible. Thank you for having me. This is the best. I think this is the most, the most fun interview I've had because it's been the most. I'm not just talking about how great my show is, which is just great, but it's nice to actually talk about other things too. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that with you. Oh, thank you for spending your time with us. You can of catch course. Josh in It Should Have Been You. It's currently playing at the Brooks Atkinson Theater on Broadway. And don't forget to follow our show at Erica Finn. Good night, everyone. We will see you all next week. Bye. You have been listening to The Erica Finn Show. We would love to hear from you. Contact the show with any guest requests or comments at Show at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter.